The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome to your Thursday, Thursday. Thursday. Yes. Yeah, I'm all thrown off by the uh, four-day week. Welcome to your Thursday edition of Fantasy Football Today. Off to a rip-roaring start. Adam Azer with Heath Cummings and Dave Richards. Richards? <laughs> We're talking about Adam We're talking about wide receivers. The top five wide receivers. Sort of. The top five wide receivers after the big three. No need to debate Cup, Jefferson, Chase. What about four, five, six, seven, and eight? Who are they? Well, they're pretty similar for... Dave Richards and Heath Cummings, uh, but not entirely similar. Keenan Allen and CeeDee Lamb are the big differences. We'll start with that. We're also going to read your Apple Podcast questions. So you can leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcast with a question, and your question will likely be read. You guys doing better than me? Uh, you're all set? Good to go? Organized? We're doing great, Jamie. Keep it up. <laughs> all right, so a Cup, Jefferson, Chase are your top three wide receivers. After that, in full PPR, Heath has Devontae Adams. Dave has Devontae Adams. Then five is Stefan Diggs for both of you. You both have Debo Samuel and Mike Evans at seven and eight. For Heath, for Dave, it's Debo seven, Evans eight. And for Heath, it's the opposite, Evans then Debo. Number six, though, is different. Number six is Keenan Allen for Heath. And number six is CeeDee Lamb for Dave. So let's start with that. CeeDee Lamb versus Keenan Allen. And by the way, Dave has Allen 10th and Lamb is 9th for, uh, for Heath. So let's start with that. Heath, go ahead. Keenan Allen as your number six wide receiver. It's pretty ambitious in full PPR. And uh, CeeDee Lamb outside your top eight, you have him ninth. Go ahead. Yeah, this is entirely a, uh, a PPR debate. I don't know how big the difference for Dave is between Keenan Allen's ranking in PPR and non, but he's one of the biggest differences for me. Allen, uh, six or seven in PPR and uh, outside of the top 12 in non. But like the, the difference is, and we talked about this a week ago with Lamb, Like I've seen Keenan Allen earn 10-plus targets per game consistently over the last few years with Justin Herbert. We not only have we not seen CD Lamb do it because it's only been his first two years in the league, so you could kind of give him a uh, a pass on that. We've not seen anybody in a Kellen Moore offense really come close to that. They have really spread the ball around, and they don't have as many weapons this year. Amari Cooper's gone. Maybe they will uh, really turn into an offense that targets one wide receiver heavily, but they've not been that in the past. And so Lamb last year, I think, had 120 targets in 16 games. I've got him projected for an increase up to 138. 
Um, but just not, I, I have a hard time getting on Allen's level and that, that difference between their catches. I think Allen had 30 more catches last year. I have him projected for 20 more catches this year. Um, and it's not like Lamb, like if, if, if you're not sure the guy's going to be a huge catch guy, some guys like Mike Evans can make up for that because they score a bunch of touchdowns or they have a huge yards per catch. Lamb's not done that either. I think he's actually scored fewer touchdowns than Keenan Allen over the last two seasons. They had the same amount six in 2020, uh, 2021. Allen had eight 20. in 20 in 2020. Allen had three more the year before that. Okay. When Lamb was a rookie. Yeah. Right. And okay. without Dak Prescott for most of that year. But. And they were off by 36 yards, according to the math in my head, last year. Same amount of touchdowns, basically the same amount of yards. The catches are the difference, and I totally get that. For me, it is a ceiling versus floor play. Keenan Allen is safe, especially in full PPR. Non-PPR, kind of safe. I still have him as a top 15 wide receiver in non-PPR. And I love the offense that he's in. But I feel like what you got last year from Keenan Allen is what you're going to get this year. And that's not a bad thing. He was 12th in PPR points per game. And he's going to get you the targets that he talked about. But I think CeeDee Lamb's got a chance to really do more with the targets he gets, even if he doesn't quite get as many targets as Keenan Allen. I think he's just more of an explosive receiver than Keenan Allen. I think he's, this is going to sound weird, more of a playmaker than Keenan Allen at this point in their respective careers. And I think Dallas kind of painted themselves into a corner with their passing game. They, unless Gallup makes an unbelievable recovery, Lamb is going to get peppered. There isn't going to be another wide receiver there that gets anywhere close to the same type of target volume that Lamb will get this year. And Dalton Schultz is going to be the only other guy that I think can come relatively close to that type of target share. I think that you're playing the upside card with CeeDee Lamb. I see the Cowboys throwing a lot this year, and I think you're going to see CeeDee Lamb break through for double-digit touchdowns on top of it. Uh, the most targets I'm seeing in the Dak Prescott era is 133 from Des Bryant, but that was a 27% target share. But that was all the way back in 2017, which I think was Dak Prescott's rookie year, or close to his rookie year. Early on in his career, they weren't throwing that much, but it was only it was Des Bryant, and second on the team was Jason Witten, followed by Terrence Williams, Cole Beasley. So uh, that's hopefully if you're if you're a CD Lamb guy, you're hoping for something like that. A 27% target share would be, would be amazing. Yeah, it would give him wide receiver one potential. But you're just hoping that he he gets I don't know 24% target. What kind of target he share? He was right around 22% in the first half of last year, if I recall. Okay. Heath, do you I have think I have number? him at 23 projected right now. Right, so Heath's projecting him for the type of target share that we're looking for. Well, apparently and not. I think everybody, I think everybody would agree that 130 targets for CeeDee Lamb is totally reasonable. Yeah, and, and it's a little low for a top five wide receiver. If you want him to finish in the top five, it's very low for number one, if you have ambitions of him being number one. But I don't think anyone thinks Keenan Allen's going to be wide receiver one this year in this debate. But it can happen, I guess. But yeah, I, I don't know. You look at if you look at wide receivers who've had 120 or fewer targets in 16 games, there aren't that many that have finished top five. Chris Godwin comes to mind a couple years ago. He's one of the one of the only ones. Jordy Nelson, like 10 or 11 years ago. Well, so 130 targets is not typical. That's pretty low for a top five wide receiver. But you have him six. So <laughs> I also I, I'm also not saying that 130 targets is is what he will end up with. Yeah. Because they're just, I, I'm really, I don't know if concerned is the right word. I'll use it. 
I'm concerned there isn't another guy to warrant or earn whatever word you want to use there targets in this Dallas offense. I think Lamb's just going to see a ton. I think there's upside for him to lead the league in targets. That would, yeah. I mean, and that, that's the problem with projections, I guess. I just, I have a harder time imagining those things that are completely out of character for the team and the coordinator and the quarterback. So let me, another question here. We'll end this discussion and move on. No Dallas wide receiver in the Dak Prescott era has caught more than eight touchdown passes. And actually, there are a decent amount of examples of top five wide receivers recently with eight or fewer touchdown passes, not including Debo Samuel, who only had six, but he had eight rushing touchdowns last year. Um, last year was not one of those years, but you've seen Calvin Ridley, Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins twice, Julio Jones multiple times, all finished as top five receivers with eight or fewer touchdown catches, or, or maybe for Ridley was nine. Um, Chris Godwin had nine. Michael Thomas has not had nine when they were top two wide receivers. But that's that does stand out to me. No more than eight touchdown catches for any Cowboys receiver in the Dak Prescott era. Does that matter to you, Heath? I mean, it, it just kind of goes with what I was saying about the targets. I just think that this offense and this quarterback and this coordinator have a history of spreading the ball around. Now, Dave's right. They don't have as many seemingly good options. My argument might be a good argument for Tolbert as a sleeper. Okay. Sure. All right. Let's move on then. We are reading your Apple Podcast questions today, so please send them in. Go to Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment. Five-star review. Please tell everybody what you like about the show, and uh, then you can leave a question as well. You can also email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com and watch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash today. We're going to have live streams every Tuesday afternoon for the foreseeable future, live mock drafts getting you ready for your upcoming drafts. And we've got Scott Fish coming on next Tuesday. We're going to do a Scott Fishbowl mock draft, which check out Heath's thread, by the way, comparing Josh Allen to Lamar Jackson and why you need to pay attention to your league scoring format, especially in the Scott Fishbowl. But we'll we'll help you out with that. We'll help you figure out who the most valuable players are. Was that thread the thing that lets you know that completion percentage matters in Scott Fishbowl? No, I knew that. Okay. Because I, knew I people- didn't know if you looked at the rules last year or not. I look at the rules, but sometimes I'm just like, okay, I, this, this is too much here. I'm just going to draft good players. Yeah, tight right, end premium exactly. is huge. Like Tight end premium is a huge deal. So, And so is the half point per catch, half point per first down. Yep. Was it always that um, way or was it full point? It's been that way for a few yeah, years, right? It was that way. But year. I don't even really factor in half point for first down. Except for well, with quarterback rushing totals because quarterbacks get – the half point for rushing first downs. Yes. And it, it just, it makes it much more like a non PPR league than a PPR league. Mm, really? And it emphasizes yards more is the easiest way to project it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and the tight end premium is a full point for a tight end catch, right? And a half point and for a first every- down. Mm-hmm. Oh, a full point. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've, so I've got, um, but still, because the tight ends don't have the yards the elite um, running backs and wide receivers do, like I, I still, I don't think I have. Let's see, Kelsey and Andrews, I have projected for around three hundred and thirty points, so basically um, better than every wide receiver besides Cup or Jefferson, mm-hmm. and right. better than every running back besides Taylor, Henry, or Eckler. So there's basically five non-quarterbacks ahead of those two tight ends in my projections. 
Yeah, and and then you say, well, they're obviously their first round picks, but it's also super flex. So people are going to take quarterbacks early. So yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see. I, I uh, and it's third third round reversal, right? Yes, third round reversal. What pick did you get? I took the I ninth mean, pick because I knew it was third third round reversal. I wanted an early third round pick. I took the twelfth pick. Yeah, it wasn't available in, in the Miami, Florida league. What league are you in? Uh, Fort, Fort Lauderdale. With oh, Dave. They, oh, nope. you guys are both in Fort. Lauderdale. We are not. We are not in the same league anymore. You I left moved west. I left for Las Vegas. <laughs> I offered to leave for Kansas City, but uh, that must have been why Scott didn't take me up on it. Nope. Yeah, I had I some. First. Some good, uh, we got some good chatter here going on on YouTube. Let's see. Um, just for reference, there are 15 quarterbacks. I said five non quarterbacks are ahead of Andrews and Kelsey in the projections. There are 15 mm-hmm. quarterbacks projected for more points. Okay. Uh, here's a question from John Would you take Adams or Diggs if they're available at pick 15 or 16, even if you took one of the big three at picks nine and 10? Yeah, I would. Well, what's the scoring? That kind of plays into it for me. What's the scoring and how many wide receivers do you start? If it's full hey, PPR. Dave, I, like, nobody can actually imagine you taking two wide receivers with your first. <laughs> I know, I picks. know. But I think it's a good move this year. Because I mean, the other day. Because I, expect, I expect the running backs to dry out pretty quickly in round one. By the time you get to the point where you look at Cup and Jefferson and Chase and you go, these guys are pretty awesome. It has to be full PPR. Start there. If it's not PPR, half PPR, I'm just going to keep going with the bull rush toward running backs. But if it's full PPR and you need to start three of them and you've got a late one, man, I have no problem whatsoever going receiver, receiver. I, I want to see that in a mock. <laughs> Give me a late pick without a run. Yeah, sometimes no, we do these Dave's, mocks and Camara is there late. I'm going to take yeah, Camara over them. The problem for Dave is going to be that first round pick. He's going to be taking the running backs over the wide receivers, but. You know, for me, it's if no, not all, not if it's late enough, and not if the running backs go as if it's pick twelve and there's already thirteen running backs off the board. Dave <laughs> will be a wide receiver, wide receiver. Yeah, for me, if Aaron Jones is off the board, DeAndre Swift is off the board, and the top running back is Leonard Fournette, and I already have if I if I already took a wide receiver in round one, and my the best running back is Fournette. We'll see if he can lose some weight, but right now I'm a little nervous about it, so I would definitely go with that second wide receiver. How about you, Heath? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've I've got um, both Adams and Diggs in my top fifteen, so no problem with it at all. Okay, I believe I do too. I'm I'm actually uh, I, I might be it might be a slow turn, but I'm I've been thinking about you've been talking about doing it for for a, well, a lot of the I off mean, season. It, it's it just was, every time we have a mock, I draft like I look at your team and you've got four running backs in the first six rounds. Yeah. 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 So that part <laughs> might still, it's, it's tough to break these habits, but I also, I want to stick with what I truly believe in when it comes to yeah. how I want to build a team. Like we just did a draft and I, I had an early first round pick took Derek Henry in round one and I get to round two and I think Saquon was there and there wasn't a receiver that I was in love with. So why am I going to force it and take a receiver when, when I'm going to take a chance on Barkley who, uh, it's sounding better as the offseason goes on. It doesn't seem like he's in the same place as he was this time last year. And then in round three, Javante Williams was still there, and there wasn't a receiver that I was in love with. So I went with a running back again. I'm not going to force it, Heath. It's snips. If there's one thing you've snips. taught me, it's snips. Yeah, but I, it, yeah. Um, Surely no intentional positional strategy. Yes. Um, 
it it seems based on your history that you may have an intentional positional strategy <laughs> that you wrapped a ton of running backs. Or yeah, running. I agree. I agree. I know. I know. It's I'm I'm trying to fight back against something that I've been doing for almost two decades, over two decades. Jesus. All right. One more um, question here. One more question. Go ahead. From go huge. Ahead. I'm not gonna read. I, I don't. That sounds dirty. I'm not gonna read that screen name. Uh, Tyree Kill over Devonte Adams. He says you guys don't have Tyree Kill in your top eight. You have Devontae Adams four. So what are the odds? What are the chances Tyreek Hill's better than Devontae Adams this year? 40%? I was going to say lower than that. 45%? Like I've got a real low confidence on both those guys. I don't have as low of a confidence on Adams. Don't you have Adams fourth? I mean, in confidence in where they're going to finish. Yes, I have Adams fourth, and probably he should be fifth. I should probably put him behind Diggs, but... Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah, I don't like in non PPR. I've got him Hill and Adams back to back. Okay, all right, guys. Thank you for answering your those questions, and thank you all on YouTube for the chatter. News and notes. Sad news to start the show. Baltimore. Well, to start the notes. Sorry, Baltimore linebacker Jalen Ferguson passed away, and so did former defensive lineman Tony Saragusa. A tough Good. day for. The Ravens and uh, the NFL and and obviously those families. So sorry to hear it. Our condolences for sure. You want a goose story? Yeah, yeah. Two thousand two or two thousand three, they played Miami in the first round of the playoffs. They crushed the Dolphins twenty to three. And I went into the locker room after the game, and it was a party in there. And Syracusa was leading the charge, mm. dancing around, and and you know he was thrilled to have won the game and to advance in the playoffs. Thought it was interesting that he was wearing a Mickey Mouse T-shirt underneath all of his his gear. He was, yeah, and uh, just totally excited. Like you're hearing everybody talk about how much energy that he had and how good of a dude he was in the locker room. I got that from spending you know five minutes in the locker room and talking to him after the game. He was super pumped. Uh, talked to him about it years later at a fantasy convention. And uh, he was like, great, that's what you remember about me is, is that I'm <laughs> running Mouse. around in a Mickey Mouse shirt. I said, yeah, but you were really happy that day. He's like, yeah, I really was. We won the game, duh. So uh, it, it sucks, man. And he was also, you know, character on Sopranos, if I recall. Yeah, and 25th Hour, which was a pretty good movie. And he was not really as good, good in Not it. as well remembered as Sopranos. No, but it's actually a solid movie. Um, and uh, I think I would say my favorite Spike Lee movie. He was very good in it. Uh, Tampa Bay beat writer Greg Allman would not be surprised if Chris Godwin opened the season on the pup list. Let me tell you what Russell Gage did in the last 10 games of the season. He was on pace for 97 catches. This is with the Falcons last year with a terrible... I mean, you look at the Matt Ryan, right? Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan. He wasn't very good last year. His numbers weren't very good last year, so... Well, that's partially because Russell Gage was his number one wide receiver. Sure, but I think it's actually interesting when we talk about Kyle Pitts and the, this huge downgrade in passing offense. Well, their passing offense was pretty lousy last year. But anyway, um, on that offense, he, he was on pace for, without Calvin Ridley, 97 catches, 1,148 yards, five touchdowns. That would have made him, per game, number 31 in non-PPR, number 25 in both half and full PPR. So that was Russell Gage last year. If, if Godwin starts the year on the pup list, that's six games, right? Six games he'd be out? Four, I think. Four? Didn't they change uh, it? No, I don't think they I did. thought short-term IR was four now? or Right. That IR changed from three four. to four. Yes, I don't think Pup has changed. So it would be a minimum of six weeks. Yeah. I, um, all right, so, so I'm reading, an, or I think it did change. Pup changed? I'm 
I'm almost certain. Somebody else do some research, but it looks like um Nate. Sorry. What happened? I'm not finding it as quick as I can, but I'm I'm very sure um minimum six game was the old rule. And I believe they have modified the rule this offseason. I think you might be right. I'm just doing four games yes. right now. Oh, okay. It is correct. I was going to play the Adam. You How did right, I miss that? But I wow. didn't really. I, I couldn't. Now players are. El- right. Hold on. They're eligible to begin to practice after just four games. Uh, with no. Okay, you got you figure that out. I'm going to get back to the. I'll figure it out. Uh, Houston rookie running back Damian Pierce should have plenty of chances to become the lead running back by the end of the season, according to ESPN. Sarah Barshop, not a uh, huge surprise there. Michael Gallup should be ready sometime in September, according to ESPN's Todd Archer. Are you drafting Russell Gage or Michael Gallup first? Gage. I have Gage ahead right now. I don't really like it, but yeah. I don't get that. I mean. Gage eventually is going to be the number three guy. Yeah, it could be four weeks from what I understand about Pup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're right. I'm moving Gallup ahead of Gage. Let's go, Heath. Wait yeah. go. I mean, Gallup is coming off a torn ACL. So, <laughs> yeah. So that, that does hurt too. But And Gage is re- potentially replacing a receiver who is coming off of a torn ACL for the first four games minimum of the season. <laughs> I go back to the Damian Pierce role, thing. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah, go. Because I've had it this way in my projections for a while, and I always just change it in my rankings. But with the Rashad Penny news that he's the the favorite, if he can stay healthy, to be the lead running back, and the Damian Pierce thing that we all pretty much thought already, is it really that crazy to think Damian Pierce outscores Ken Walker this no. year? No. No. I don't. But right. you, you're you're talking about a running back. Like, how does that happen? I think Penny would have to stay healthy and continue to play well and force Walker into a complimentary role, and Pierce breaks out in Houston for whatever a breakout running back in Houston would do. Which offense is going to be worse? Probably the Seattle offense, right? If they don't improve their quarterbacks, it's certainly possible, but I think it's going to be close, and I think the run game in Seattle will be better than the run game in Houston. All right, next note. Jalen Ramsey had shoulder surgery, should be ready for week one. Austin Hooper is a preferred target for Ryan Tannehill, according to ESPN's Teron Davenport. He's like the only one that's healthy. Hooper or Cameron Brait? I believe I've got Brait higher just because it's Brady throwing the passes. Both of them have tough schedules to begin the season, if I recall. Um... I don't have either in my top 24 tight ends, but I would say Hooper. Uh, Carolina wide receiver Terrace Marshall has had a good spring. We'll keep an eye on him. The Steelers signed defensive tackle he's, Larry Ogunjobi. He's Ogunjobi. going nowhere unless Robbie Anderson is out of there. Maybe he'll retire. Maybe. I mean, there's a chance that Robbie Anderson's just as bad as he was last year, and they throw the ball to Marshall over Anderson, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So like, he could overtake him on the depth chart or something like that, get his playing time? Sure. Who's their quarterback? I mean, that's terrible as well, mm-hmm. currently. I and think it should be Cam. San Francisco would only keep... Oh, gosh, no. Enough with Cam. Move on. Oh, I mean, he's better than Sam Darnold. Baker or Cam? I don't know Baker. if he's better than Sam Darnold. Garoppolo. I'm not saying Cam's good, but Sam Darnold's not a top 40 quarterback. 
in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know that Cam is anymore. He's been so bad. He's had some extenuating circumstances the last two years. He's been in some very difficult situations to, to succeed I think in. Darnold's probably better than Cam as a passer. But Cam at least brings something that defenses have to account for. Mm-hmm. Could Darnold at least be a little bit under the average line behind an improved offensive line? So no. not, I'm not, I don't want to call him an average quarterback. But just a little notch below yeah, because that I mean, offensive line's better. When you no say line. average, are you talking about the starting quarterbacks or all the quarterbacks in the NFL? Because I think all the quarterbacks, <laughs> he is slightly above average, he, right, right around 40 to 45. No, he, I don't think he can be an average starting quarterback in the NFL. No. There are not Even 90 quarterbacks. Line. What? There are not 90 quarterbacks on active rosters. In the NFL? Well, usually I think teams just have two. Make active. the number 60. Is if you make the, the number 60, then no, he's below average. No, he's definitely not above average. Yeah. There's nine. We're going to count practice squad quarterbacks as well. We'll get <laughs> okay. up to 100 quarterbacks, and he is above average. Okay. Are we counting people like Cam and, you know, other quarterbacks that might get signed? You know what? We'll just blow up that number. To I would like to go back and find that all the audio of people saying Sam Darnold was clearly better than Gardner Minshew and replay that. Let's uh, take a break here and come back and actually talk about wide receivers. Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Mike Evans, Debo Samuel. We still have to get into them. We'll talk about the next five after the big three right after this on Fantasy Football Today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So it's Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase in some order. And then the next five for Heath are Adams, Diggs, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, and Debo Samuel. For Dave, the next five are Adams, Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Debo Samuel, and Mike Evans. So again, just to recap, one through five are the same. Cup, Jefferson, Chase. You guys have Jefferson over Chase? In PPR. Okay, so Cup, Jefferson, Chase, Adams, Diggs. Top five is the same. Then CeeDee Lamb is sixth for Dave and ninth for Heath. Keenan Allen is sixth for Heath and tenth for Dave. Seven and eight are Debo Samuel and Mike Evans for both Dave and Heath, although the order is is flip-flopped. But we yeah. We could make this more fun and just use my projections instead of my rankings and add Brandon Cooks in the discussion. Oh my goodness. No, no, that's okay. Where is Cooks in your projections? 
Uh, sixth in PPR, eleventh in money. Uh, wow. And in your I rankings, like him too. I don't know if I like him that much. In your rankings, Heath, uh, eleven or twelve. Okay. All right. Of these next five or six, you want to throw in Keenan Allen and Ceedee Lamb. Uh, of these next five or six wide receivers, who has the most upside? Devontae. Yeah, Devontae Adams for sure. For sure, not Diggs. Diggs is a close second. No, I don't think like how much could Devonte Adams lose off what he's done the past two years and still be better than Stefan Diggs the past two years? Considerable amount, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about this. Yeah. And show. like Derek Carr is not as good as Aaron Rodgers, but um, this is going to make some people mad as a strictly as a passer. Are we sure that Stefan Diggs has a better quarterback? Uh, yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, not by statistics, not by like yards per attempt, I, or completion I, percentage, by the eyeball or test, quarter, like yeah, by taking running test. out of the equation. Yes, uh, yeah, Allen's better. Well, because Allen has much more ability to get the ball downfield. Yes, He's got more arm talent. Yes. Um, but okay, so that's who has the most upside. Who has the most downside? So again, it's Adams, Diggs, Evans, Debo, Keenan Allen, CD Lamb. Who's the most downside? I mean, I, I feel like it's either Keenan Allen or Debo. I was gonna say Debo um, or Lamb. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. it's. I think it's probably like those three for sure. But I, I would say it's Debo just because, um, he did something last year that we've never seen before. And he didn't and like it. According those to things, don't often get repeated. It wasn't that we saw something that he, we haven't seen before from him. He did something that we haven't seen before ever, right? Right. He's crazy. Fourteen touchdowns, eight of them on the ground. And I think he had. I could try to find this stat, but I think he had more twenty-plus yard rushing touchdowns than Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin <laughs> Kamara had. 20 plus carries, 20 plus yard carries. So those were just his 20 plus yard touchdown runs. Uh, well, kind of crazy for Debo Samuel. And what if they throw 510 passes with Trey Lance under center? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So then you better hope he's running like crazy again. Debo Samuel had three touchdown runs of 20 to 27 yards. Derek Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, and Austin Eckler all had at least 200 carries. And only three of them all season went. Only three carries all season of twenty or more yards. So that's goodness. Yeah, I know, crazy, right? Yeah. And he averaged eighteen yards per catch, which nobody does year over year. Right. And this might be the same answer, but who are you most nervous about in this group? Debo. Debo for sure. Okay. Okay. So then let's talk about these guys. Now we talked about most of them on the top twenty-four countdowns last week. But that's okay. Devontae Adams, number four. Stefan Diggs, number five. Why don't we do it as sort of a debate? Now, you guys each have Adams over Diggs, so it's not much of a debate for you. So I'll just... I have Diggs over Adams in my theoretical rankings. I think last year was a little disappointing, and Josh Allen was a little disappointing last year. But I expect Allen to improve from his passing numbers last year, especially the completion percentage. I think he's better than that. I think the Bills offense got a little bit figured out and then they corrected it 
Just like we expect Mahomes to bounce back from a sub subpar by his standard season, I expect that from Allen, and I think that that Diggs goes with him. Uh, they also lost numbers two and three on the team in targets, uh, which can't hurt Stefan Diggs. But the bottom line is, I expect them to be among the league leaders in targets. I expect them to be among the league leaders in yards. We haven't seen the touchdowns, but I don't see why we can't see the touchdowns. Um, I think he's been a little bit unlucky with touchdown. Uh, I wouldn't say that, but I think he's got 15 touchdown potential, even though we haven't seen it. So I think Diggs is actually safer than Devontae Adams, and uh, that's why I'm taking him. Go ahead. Well, okay, so I think we should go back. Like the, One of the first things that you said that I want to dig a little deeper into, and it goes back to what I said, but Josh Allen will have a better completion percentage this year than he did last year. And yeah. like he did have a year in 2020 where he completed 69% of his passes. The year before that, it was 59%. Look, the year before that, that he stunk. He stunk. He he stunk. He, and well, I just don't think completion percentage wise, he stunk last year. Yeah. Yeah. So why right. is the it's it looks when I look at it and look at his career, it appears that 2020 was an outlier, not last year was an outlier. Okay, so hold on one second. I need to do some quick math. Can you remember this number, please? 700, yes. 708. Okay. That's my area code on my phone. 708. 708. Okay. So if you, I, I actually was able to remember myself. If you do throw in the two playoff games, he completed 64.5% of his passes. And, and that's the thing, Heath. It's like, I see a guy who against the, the Patriots and the Chiefs in the playoffs threw for 637 yards and nine touchdowns. I just, you know, and, and then I, I bet if you even removed that crazy Patriots game where he was 15 of 30 in one of the worst weather games that we've ever seen, basically, in terms of the passing game, Mac Jones threw three times. Um, I just don't think he's a 62 or 63% completion. I'm going to give him 66%. And, you know, just say he's in the middle of where he was. And I don't know how relevant this is to Diggs anyway, but I just think Allen is a better quarterback than what we saw last year as a passer, even though he finishes the number one rusher, uh, number one quarterback. Um, and I think Diggs will will improve because it was a little bit of a disappointing season for Diggs. So, there, is that did that answer your question? Yeah, I just, I, I mean, it it does. You think Josh Allen is better than his number say he is? Better than his? Yes, I do. I think, and yeah. I, I just like, and I I think what you have to do to believe that, and it's perfectly fair to do that, is just completely throw out the first two years of his career, and say that 2020 was more real than 2021. But even if I give him some, I'll give him some regression from 2020. I just I'll put him in the middle of 2020 and 2021. Yeah, and I don't that know. Might be perfectly fair. How how realist? How much that affects Diggs? But I think it affects him enough. I just think that there is more downside for Adams guys because. We don't talk about Hunter Renfro. We don't want Hunter Renfro on our fantasy teams at his cost, which I will tell you right now. We're not excited about Hunter Renfro. He's wide receiver 31 going in between Juju Smith-Schuster, Elijah Moore, Michael Thomas after Darnold. Is that Green. behind Gabriel Davis? It's uh, eight picks behind Gabriel Davis, three wide receiver picks behind Gabriel Davis. Um, but he's. I feel like Renfro could really be just a thorn in the side of both Adams and Waller. Uh, so... Yep. It's possible. You know, that it's just there there are just more things that could go wrong for Adams, in my opinion, than could for Diggs. Sure, but it, I think Heath was kind of alluding to this. If you're gonna talk about what Waller and Renfro 
could do to Devontae Adams. You have to talk about what Gabriel Davis and no. the tight ends no. in Buffalo and now James <laughs> Cook and not Jameson even Crowder. Not in the same ballpark to me because well, because Renfro and Waller are thousand yard guys with with track records. Gabriel Davis hasn't even had a six hundred yard season. I'm not saying that they were thousand yard guys without Devontae Adams on the field. Right, but they're but Wall like they're be- Waller is we think better than than Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis, yeah. As much as I love Gabe, who has more competition? Would, who has more competition? Adams or Diggs? I would be more open to the Waller argument than the Renfro argument. Yeah. Well, Renfro is not affecting Devontae Adams. No, it, he can affect him in a in an annoying sort of way. A couple catches a game, something like He'll that. He'll steal six touchdowns this year. He's a bigger factor to me than uh, James Crowder. Crowder. Yeah. Yeah, but Crowder's going to steal targets too. All right, I've had and, a basically, James basically, Cook is going to steal a bunch of targets. I've had basically all the words here if you guys want to. Move on. We can. No, I get if, where you're. I get not. where you're coming from, and and I think it's, I, I think it's probably safer to go with Diggs ahead of Devonte Adams on that logic. But I think Devonte Adams has figured out how to be an amazing receiver himself, and I think the 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 fallback from Rogers to Carr isn't going to be so painful on his numbers. I don't think he's going to match what he did last year, but I think he's still going to be in that twenty PPR point per game range. I think the Raiders are going to throw at him a lot. I think Carr is going to want to throw at him a lot. The it's one area friend. where I might be a little nervous is going to be in touchdowns because defenses are going to have to make a decision. Who do you do? You double team Adams or do you double team Waller? Waller talked about it this week. He said, "You know, Carr's definitely doing his fair share of passing to me in practice, but they are of the mindset that whoever's single covered is who's getting the ball in the red zone." All right, let's talk about. The I do next think group. Adam. Um, just to go back to your point, I do think the completion percentage thing matters for Diggs, just because he had a seventy-seven percent catch rate in twenty twenty that fell to sixty-three yeah, percent last year. Yes, it did. Yeah, I bet you if you included the playoffs and removed that Patriots game, I bet you're at sixty-five percent completion rate. Well, I think it's. It I out. think it's possible. Yeah, playing your home games in Buffalo and playing in the AFC East, they might have a bad weather game this year. Not like that though. That was crazy. That was the worst passing environment I can remember. That's even was it worse, worse than, than the Cleveland. Remember the Cleveland like back to back weeks. I think so. It was so bad that the, the Patriots threw three times. Uh, all right, Stefan Diggs and Adams in the books here. They're four and five in the rankings. Then we already did the CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen debate. Lamb is six for Dave. Allen is six for Heath. So how about Mike Evans and Debo Samuel? You guys have them seven and eight for Heath. It's Evans, then Debo. For Dave, it's Debo, then Evans. Here's my Debo question. If he has the most bust potential in this group, like we already said, if you're the most nervous about him, why is he still a top eight wide receiver, Dave? Debo Samuel. Because he can still command a large target share in San Francisco. He's proven that he can be hyper-efficient when he gets the ball. And even though he's complaining about being a running back, I think that's more about him complaining about not getting paid like a running back and wide receiver. But push comes to shove, I bet he'll be okay taking a handful of carries and definitely a lot of tunnel screens, bubble screens, those kinds of plays where the pass actually goes backward and it's considered a, a run instead of a pass. But now he's out in space against defensive backs instead of in in tight quarters against defensive linemen and, and linebackers. And I, I think the 49ers have, not that they've painted themselves into a corner, but they're going to need to have explosive plays if they're going to put up tons of points each week. I don't know if their running backs 
are going to be able to be dominant this year. I'm a little worried about the offensive line, and I'm just not sure what the running backs are going to bring. And I think they're going to end up leaning on Debo quite a bit. So I don't mind taking the chance on him with a late round two pick. I, I think my, like my answer is more who who would you rank number eight? I would probably have Lamb in PPR. I would have Lamb and Keenan Allen ahead of Debo, and then, which I think you guys wouldn't really have a huge problem with. Um, yeah. And then it comes down to Tyreek Hill. And other than yeah, I can't. God, Debo just scares me so much, but he's so good. I couldn't believe how good he was last year. I didn't know he was this talented. He's obviously just a mega star. But I think the 49ers are going to be one of the toughest teams to project and rank. You know? Oh, well, yeah, for sure. With the Lance situation and the, the outlandish numbers that Debo put up, there's um, it, it's very uncomfortable dealing with those. But it's like... I think it's maybe more of an argument for Cup, Jefferson, and Chase even earlier because I know that wide receivers deep and there's a bunch of guys that are going to be number two wide receivers, but there's not as many surefire, like all the number one wide receivers besides those guys and probably Diggs. Like Diggs is going to be at least a low-end number one. There's a lot more question marks this year. Can I give you this mm-hmm. one last thing? We talked about it earlier this week, or maybe it was last week, Adam, the number of snaps and targets these guys in San Francisco played with Trey Lance. I think we did it on the... No, We did it off the air after FFT and 5. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Debo had a 29.8% target per route run rate when Trey Lance was on the field. That's strictly Lance is on the field, Debo's on the field. There were 140 such snaps last year. Debo got targeted... 30% of the time. Wait, wait, he had wait, 14 wait. targets for seven catches, 170 yards, and three touchdowns. I have a big problem with it because Kittle missed one of those games, so that may have increased his target per route run. Mm-hmm. And there was that, I think it was a 75-yard touchdown that was actually sure. pretty crappy that was pass. That was, he was just wide open on busted coverage. Mm-hmm. But then there was a deep touchdown that Lance threw to Debo that I, don't, I think, as I recall, wasn't a bad pass, and it was you know a legit mm-hmm. like great play. But, Can I just, um, a quick yeah. word on Kittle? Mm-hmm. 9.1% target per route run rate, over 99 snaps. Yeah, wow. Four targets, one catch. Wow. That's, I think that That's was... not good. I, I, the, the other problem is, like, even if Debo had a 30% target share, if Lance throws 26 passes a game like he did in his two starts last year, it's still only 7.8 targets per game. That's not a bad number. It might not be a number worthy of being a late second-round pick. But I'm okay with 7.8 targets per game. So that's it. And, and you know what? I can look to see exactly how many snaps, targets, et cetera, they had when all three were on the field. So you said 7.8 targets per game for Debo? That's 130 over a 17-game season. Yeah. 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 132.6. But, but compared to a 30% target get, share, it's much difference. Especially if he's going to get rushes on top of it. Well, look, if you told me 130 targets, which is what we're, we're kind of hoping, not hoping, which we're saying C.D. Lamb, you know, would be a little unusual for Dak Prescott. Uh, but you say maybe 130 for Lamb. I would, mm. who would you take if they were both getting the same amount of targets, Lamb or Debo? Sure. Debo. If I knew for sure they were going to get the same amount of targets, I think I'd take Debo. I have Lamb projected for 22 more targets than Debo, and I have Debo one spot ahead of Lamb. Adam, there were 88 snaps where Debo Samuel played with Kittle and Trey Lance. Oh, okay. Here we go. Let's want to know his target per route run rate. Yeah, 
29.8%. What about Kittle? Oh, I guess it was... Uh, well, yeah, what about Kittle? 9.5. I think so it went that, up for Kittle. Schneier was talking about that, how the tight ends don't really get used. He's saying this a year ago when we thought Lance was going to be the quarterback, how the tight end would 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 not be used in that type of scheme. And it never got to play out, really. But I'd like to get his reaction to that. I think he might be on the show tomorrow. Um, okay, anything you guys want to say on Mike Evans? He, what is his upside if Godwin starts the year on Pup? Number one wide receiver in the NFL. Number one fantasy receiver. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's like going to be the you know Devontae Adams-esque, but lots of targets. We already know where he stands in Brady's mind when they get near the goal line. I expect that to continue. Defenses have not figured out a way to really slow that down. Although maybe they might because there's no more Gronk and there might not be Godwin. That's going to be interesting because teams might be much more open to double-teaming Evans if there are only other targets that Brady has or a running back, Russell Gage, Cameron Brait, Tyler Johnson. I don't know who that next receiver would be. I know, but Dave, I, I look at those two playoff games. Mm-hmm. No Godwin. He mm-hmm. faced Darius Slay. He mm-hmm. faced Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. He had 28 catches, 440 yards. Nope, sorry, sorry. Nope, that was including the... Uh, he had 17 catches. Mm-hmm. He had 236 yards and two touchdowns on 26 targets. He had 118 yards per game. Yes, he had, yeah, he had 117 in one game. He had 119 in the other game. He caught a touchdown in both against tough cornerbacks. Not all of it was against those cornerbacks. He just got peppered with targets, 26 targets in two games. Yeah, you're going to see that this year. That's what makes him appealing, and he's got a great track record to go along with it. 1,000 yards every single season. I think 70 catches almost every year, if not every year, and a bunch of years with double-digit touchdowns. Okay, that uh, is Mike Evans. Let me read some Apple Podcast questions here. We definitely need to talk more about Tyreek Hill at some point. We will. He did not make the top eight. He's not far from it, though. Apple Podcast questions. This one comes comes from Alessandro in Sydney. Dear Patty, Matisse, Ben, and Josh. Mm. Are those former Sixers? Or is Matisse still a Sixer? I don't. It seems like you're right here. I have. I had no idea. Do you know the NBA draft is tonight? Are you aware of this? Have you seen this? Yeah, about this. I, I, I am aware I, of it. Yeah. I didn't know until my son told me yesterday. I would think a Knicks fan would be all over that. Ah, we're not going to do anything special. <laughs> Remember, you know, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. I think about Heath a lot more than I should. That's uh, weird. A few years ago, the Knicks drafted Kevin Knox. Somewhere, I think they have. I don't even know. They have like the 11th pick or something. And we, Knox was somewhere in that range. And I was really excited about it. I knew nothing about Kevin Knox, but I liked his body type. You know, he seemed like mm-hmm. tall, wing, built, kind of player that really thrives in the NBA. Kind of guy you think about more than you should. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember Heath saying that his son, who was, I don't know, like eight years old at the time or something, really liked Kevin Knox. And I was like, oh, yeah, that means so much. <laughs> These young kids know so much about sports. This has to be a good pick. Yeah. And uh, nope. it wasn't at all. Uh, all right, so the question from Alessandra is, what's your opinion of trading down in dynasty startups or in redraft? I found myself trading down in every draft I've done this season. I feel like I'm building some amazing teams. All of my leagues are two quarterback leagues or super flex leagues, so I've been trading my first round pick for a two and a three, and I just let everyone uh, else take the top QBs, and I seem to wind up having an extra stud wide receiver <laughs> running back, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, when you can trade your one for a two and a three, of course that's brilliant. Yeah. I, those are not the types of trades I would expect to get for a first-round pick. That's a haul. Yeah, that's I would just clarify excellent. you should not do that in rookie drafts. Oh, no, no, no. That's right. Thank you, Heath. This is Colton from a small town in southern Ontario. Uh, is Windsor small enough? It, no. That's that's the only town that I know besides Toronto and Ontario. Okay, uh, so... Southern Ontario, anyway. He says he's in a 12-team PPR keeper league where I can keep three players each year, giving up one round earlier than where they were drafted. DK Metcalf, Dak, Dak Prescott, and Kareem Hunt were my keepers last year. This year's a lot harder decision. What do you guys think? I can keep Prescott in the 14th, Metcalf in the 11th, and Kareem Hunt in the 6th, or Mike Williams in the 8th, Jamar Chase in the 4th, yes, Javante Williams yeah, yeah. in the 3rd. Yes. Dalton, get, there's better value than that. Dalton Schultz no, okay, in the 15th. Okay, okay. Dalton Schultz in the 15th, Dallas Goddard mm-hmm. in the 15th. So you can keep three. All right, so let me read it again. Sorry. I'll try to do it in order by round. Jamar Chase in the fourth. Oh, Javante Williams in the third. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase in the fourth. So Chase is on. We yes. got one. Yeah, that's for sure. Kareem Hunt in the sixth. Mike Williams nope. in the eighth. Metcalf in the 11th. Dak in the 14th. Schultz in the 15th. Goddard in the 15th. Pick three. My first question is this. <laughs> Javante Williams is maybe fair value in round three this year. If he has a good year, he's probably a top five pick in fantasy drafts in 2023. So if you keep him at a three this year, he would cost you a two next year. But I have a question for you, Dave. Go ahead. How long can he keep these guys? I'm assuming he can keep them until they're no longer um, like until they get to the first round, basically, because how can you keep a first rounder if you've got to give up a pick one year or one round higher? I don't know. That's that's my assumption. So I would keep assume, I but... would keep Jamar Chase, DK Metcalf, and Dalton Schultz. <clears throat> it's hard to throw back DK, and the value for Schultz is really great. So I would, I would agree on DK. I would agree on Chase. And then if if you're a believer of Javante Williams, I think you keep him. And if not, Schultz is the guy. I would keep Chase, Mike Williams, and DK. I thought you were going to say that. From JC in Branson, Missouri. Tell me about Branson, Missouri, Heath. Uh, it is like you would not believe it. It is an unbelievable, magical place <laughs> with um, go-karts and lots and lots of shows, like mm-hmm. dinner theater type shows. Um, there's some beautiful scenery around as well, very close to uh, lakes and little miniature mountains. It's a very hilly or mountainy area, depending on where you're from. Um, it's really a beautiful place. And uh, that's, that's probably bad. A, lot, a lot of bad traffic. Some of the worst traffic in Missouri. Really? All right, better pizza, Branson, Missouri, or Manhattan, New York? Well, I've never had pizza as bad as I had in Manhattan, so I'm going to go with Branson. I swear, all the things that Heath and I have ever argued about, that makes me the craziest. Just so mad about that. <laughs> it's ten, my fault. 10-team Superflex half PPR league. We get to keep two keepers for a maximum of two years. QBs are mostly kept or gone after round two. It is Superflex. Should I exercise my two-year option on Antonio Gibson in the seventh round? Or throw him back? And secondly, should I keep Kyler in round one 
Justin Jefferson in round three, Michael Thomas in round 12, Naeem Hines in round 16, or Darnell Mooney in round 19. What do you think about Gibson in the seventh in a half PPR Superflex 10-team league? That's good. I'd rather have Jefferson in round three, though, for sure. Sure, right? sure, right. But he asked two separate questions, so I don't know if one is independent of the other. It's really not that great a value, though, in a 10-team league. It's a top 70 pick when you throw in how many quarterbacks are going to be in there. You know, maybe maybe 15. I still think it's good. He might go one to two rounds higher. I would like to know what pick he has. Yeah. Because if he's got 10, 11, 12, then I'd probably keep Kyler and Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, from Angry PD Pablo. Dear Troy, Why Tony. Why so angry, PD yeah, I don't know. Pablo? Dear Troy, Tony, Roger, and Danny. Cowboys quarterbacks. I'm in a super flex PBR dynasty league. I've been offered Deshaun Watson, Christian Watson, Gus Edwards, and Cortland Sutton. All right, so he'd be getting in a super flex league dynasty. Deshaun Watson, Christian Watson, Gus Edwards, and Cortland Sutton. He would give up Jameis Winston, CeeDee Lamb, and Cole Komet. He still has Aaron Rodgers and Trevor Lawrence. Um, what would you would you do this trade? He has Travis Kelsey, so he doesn't need commit. What do you think? I was gonna let Dave answer first while I tried to. Yeah, sure, I'll answer first. Trade chart magic. I would accept the deal. I think the downgrade from Lamb to Sutton is worth whatever upside Deshaun has whenever he gets back on the field. Plus Christian Watson, Gus Edwards is not a factor in the deal. I don't look at Cole Komet or Jameis Winston as excellent long term options. Lamb's the best player in the trade. I think you're getting good enough in exchange. Yeah, I would prefer just barely the Lamb side. Um, I'm I'm really worried about Watson. Yeah, yeah. I'm just it. gonna go up and down and up and down with no real reason, probably. But oh, I'm down until there's a reason to go up. But I don't think his I don't think he's gonna be banned from the NFL forever. Uh, Dave, did you finish Stranger Things? No, one episode to go. Oh, all right. Carve, and I, carve I, out some time. I, I need to give you a public apology for making fun of you over Stranger Things over the years. Did you make fun of me? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Never mind. I don't remember. It's so good. I said on the show the other day, it's one of my, I think it's my third favorite show of all time. Is that good? It's. I haven't really thought about it, but it's. it's definitely one of my favorites. It's so good. It's just so fun. I always judge whatever I'm watching, whether it's a movie or a TV show, on how likely am I to watch this again someday. And I would 100% re-watch the entire Stranger Things series. Hmm. I actually don't feel that way about Stranger Things. That's no, interesting. Suck. But I, I just love, I get so excited to watch it. That's how I judge it. Yeah. How pumped up my That's part of it too, it. right? The anticipation for watching it. Yeah. That's how I felt about Obi-Wan. And I thought Obi-Wan uh, delivered. I have to make. I have to apologize for making fun of you for liking Star Wars for all mm-hmm. those years. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're having a nice. Little Dave was saying that because here. he changed his mind. Have you actually changed your mind about Star Wars? I never thought negatively of Star Wars. I just had never really seen it. Uh, oh, I did enough. watch the. I did watch all three movies recently. The first three, the original three. Oh, and oh, yeah, they're good. They're. Oh. I actually like. Um, I actually like. Sorry. Technology. Uh, I like the the original one better than Empire Strikes Back. I think New Hope is my favorite. New Hope is great. Yeah.
All right, guys, thanks. Uh, have a good day, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.